we would turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And Jeremiah 4 and 3. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And Jeremiah 4 and 3 says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fellow ground, and sow not among thorns. Tonight I want to minister from the thought, Choose your ground. There are many agricultural examples throughout the Bible that that parallel spiritual principles and truths. Although today we get our fruit and veggies and meat from grocery stores and such like, historically people grew their own food. So they were familiar with how things grew and the conditions that were required to get the best out of the land. When God spoke directly to the people, he used examples from the natural world to get his message across. God continued to use this method in his earthly ministry in the form of parables. He used parables to get people thinking. The parallels between the natural and the spiritual were there. They, weren't, they just weren't as obvious. Our opening scriptures instantly reminded me of the parable that Jesus spoke about the sower and the seed, which Matthew, Mark and Luke recorded. A parable is a simple story that uses familiar themes to illustrate a moral or spiritual truth. To understand the parable parable of the sower and the seed, we must first understand the technique Jewish farmers use to plant or sow seeds. The law of Moses stated that a field could not be sown with two kinds of seed. Therefore, the sower could scatter or throw the seed in a field, not minding where, exactly where it fell, because he knew that that field was solely allocated to, to one crop. And this is where the parable gets interesting because the focus is not on the sower or the seed, but the ground on which the seed falls and the direct influence that that ground has on the the productivity of the seed. It was understood that because the seed was scattered or thrown out, that it would fall on different ground within that same field. Jesus describes each kind of ground within that same field. And the first type of ground that the seed was likely to fall on is the wayside. A sower grabbed a handful of seed and a few grains would fall from the bag or his hand onto the well-trodden path that he used and others did to go around that field. The path was also once fertile soil, but through the years, With traffic, it had become hard and compact, much like a hiking trail or a dirt road. Nothing grows on this hardened surface because whatever seed falls there, it can't penetrate the dirt to establish a root system. As a result, when the seed that falls on the wayside hits the surface of the dirt, it sits there until the birds come and eat it up. 
The next place the seed might fall is on stony places. There is only a surface layer of fertile soil in this part of the field because underneath that soil there is solid rock. The seed uses that little bit of soil that it has to establish a shallow root system so it can spring up but the roots are are unable to penetrate the rock or the stone and form a firm anchor for the plant in the ground. A healthy root system is crucial for a healthy plant as it is through the roots that the plant is fed. Stony places or rocky ground do not retain or absorb water. It simply runs off. Without water, the plant will not survive for it is by the water that it... For it's the water that carries the nutrients from the soil via the roots into the plant. It also acts as a cooling system when the water evaporates through the leaves. It's no wonder that when the plant withers and dies, it's because of the heat of the sun. Jesus continues the parable with the seed that that falls amongst thorns. Fertile ground is ripe and ready to bring forth life. The thorns or weeds were not planted in the field, just like in our gardens. They just come up. Weeds and thorns can be deceiving. They can look pretty at first, but turn nasty as they mature. The interesting thing here is that there were no weeds or thorns when, when the seed fell into the soil. Matthew 13 and 7 tells us that the thorns sprung up. That seems to suggest that the seed had established itself as a fruit-bearing plant before the thorns sprung up and began competing for space and nutrients. Just like in our gardens, the weeds just like in our gardens, the weed situation, if not dealt with early, can easily get get out of control and take over. The seed sprout, the seed the seed sprouted It grew and it was fruitful until the thorns overwhelmed it, choked it, and it became unfruitful. Weeds and thorns are strong and hardy, and you know that if you've ever tried to pull them out. And they not only compete with the seed for the elements required for life and productivity, but for the space in which they grow. There is no room for both, and the the weeds will win. The resting place... the final resting place for the seed in this fertile field is the good ground. Here the seed grows and becomes established with a healthy root system and a strong anchor or foundation. It receives plenty of water and nutrients and is productive bringing forth fruit in its season. Now Jesus spoke this parable to get people thinking and it certainly had the disciples scratching their heads because they asked Why do you speak to them in parables as if they understood what Jesus was saying? But in fact, they were just as puzzled as the people. My dad used to use the same method. He would say to my mum, feed these kids. And we would say, but mum, we're not hungry. And she said, okay. And then dad would complain because there's no food getting made. And she goes, the kids said they weren't hungry. Dad wasn't worried about whether we were eating or not. And the disciples did the same thing. They did the same thing with the multitudes when, um, before Jesus fed the 5,000. You know, send them home so they can eat. No, no, no. Send them home so we can eat because they were hungry. 
And so they asked the question, why do you speak to them in parables? We want to understand what you're saying, Jesus. We have no idea. That's basically what they were saying. So Jesus revealed that by speaking in parables, he would reveal the hearts of the people that in fact, it's ex- and that's exactly what the parable of the sower and the seed was about. You see, if you have a hungry heart, you'll go looking for answers. Otherwise, it's just a pretty story and we all got, you know, we got to see Jesus and he told us a nice story and we can all go home. But if you are hungry and you wanted to know what this man was talking about, you would dig a little deeper. Matthew 13, 13 to 15 says, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing not and hearing they hear not. Because seeing see not and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Each time the word of God is preached, the seed is being scattered into a field of listeners. The ground in the field varies as it depends on the state of the heart of the listener. The state of the heart directly impacts whether the ears are hearing and open to understanding and whether the eyes are seeing open to perceive. Then Jesus explains it further by breaking it down for them in greater detail, making the comparison of ground conditions with heart conditions. We can come to church every week and sit and listen, allowing the words we hear to fall flat on the fertile soil of our heart that, was, that has slowly hardened over the years by pain that we've experienced in life. We've, we've been walked on and stomped all over by those who are meant to care for us and we've made up our mind that that will never happen again. We are part of the field in that we sit on the perimeter We are on the outside looking in. Or perhaps we are content with our level of religion or satisfied in our own goodness that we feel that there's no need for more. The Pharisees and the Sadducees felt the same. They were pleased with their own efforts in what they thought pleased God. They came to Jesus to hear with their ears but refused to open their minds to what he was saying and receive understanding. They came to see with their eyes what Jesus would do, but refused to perceive who he was. This is the wayside, unsubmissive, unresponsive, impenetrable to the seed that falls into it or on it. Although the attempt is made by the sower, and although the Lord gives us opportunity, the seed falls onto the the wayside, and the wicked one snatches it up, so this snatches up the seed that sits on the surface of that hardened heart. The stony heart is not a hard heart. There's enough loose, fertile soil to be receptive and to respond to what we are hearing when the word of God is preached. Our understanding is open and, and we perceive that we are sinners and that we must obey the scriptures to deal with our guilt. We're born again according to the scriptures 
and we're excited and overwhelmed with God's love and we feel great. We continue to come to church, enjoy the worship, enjoy the fellowship, but we resist the feeling of conviction and further change or commitment. We sit crossed-armed during an altar call, not willing to budge. Our stubbornness and refusal to submit to spiritual authority and correction hinders any further growth beyond our salvation experience, making it difficult to walk with God and grow in him. We come, we feel God, we feel good, but we're not established, rooted and grounded in our knowledge of him. We want God to do it all for us without surrendering ourselves completely to him. This is fine for a time. Living for Jesus is easy when things are going our way. But the danger of the stony ground is that the seed cannot establish a root system deep enough to anchor and support potential growth and productivity of the life that lies within it. A plant with shallow roots cannot endure severe weather or heat. Problems, misfortune and difficulties are promised in this life. It is how we get through them that shows others who we are. If we are not anchored to Christ, we will not endure them with our faith intact. The attitude we present in grief, pain, sickness and offence is a tell-all sign of the state of our heart. Our faith suffers and over time it will shrivel and die. The thorny ground is also a receptive heart. It's fertile soil. And it receives the word and becomes established and fruitful. We can be involved in the kingdom, teaching, helping and supporting. But somewhere along the way, our priorities slowly begin to change. There are other seeds that are found in the soil of this heart that begin to develop over time. We don't seem to notice or even realize what is happening, but our affections are being drawn away from God. We're still in church, we're still praying, reading and giving and perhaps even discipling someone, but our thoughts and desires are elsewhere. Perhaps we're afforded an opportunity that we are convinced is the blessing of God, but others are cautious when we tell them our news and we misunderstand their hesitancy for negativity. We take the opportunity presented to us, a job, a promotion, a relationship, an investment, the well-being of our family, And it slowly but surely begins to take priority. We don't even realize it's happening, but we are being overrun by thorns. They sneak up on us. Little things growing around us that don't look like they have touched us yet. But by allowing them in our lives, we are giving them permission to grow. In our heart, the roots of the thorns have already begun to entwine themselves with the, the work that God has started in our lives. Thorns will undermine what God has accomplished in our lives, choking out the life and the fruit that we once produced. Casting Crowns has a song and it says, the chorus of the song says, it's a slow fade when we give ourselves away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to grey. Thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid. When you give yourself away, people never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. The roots of the thorns and the thorns growing in our life 
is a slow process, but all of a sudden we are overcome. Jesus addressed the cares of this life in Matthew chapter 6, knowing that the human experience requires us to work, to provide for our families and to live. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. We must have our priorities right. The last ground condition is good ground. It's a heart that has heard the word and applied it. It's a mind that is open to understanding and eyes that are open to perceive what God has made available to them by his grace. If the seed if the seed has been planted and is nurtured, these things will happen. The fertile soil this fertile soil has been cultivated, tilled frequently, free of stones and thorns. It is a repentant, humble heart that seeks God frequently, desiring the growth and change that he speaks of in his word and promises to bring. In this ground, the seed has liberty to stretch forth its roots downward, anchoring it for the growth that is needed and intended. This plant will grow into a healthy tree and survive severe weather and storms because it is anchored and it has access to nutrients from the depths of the soil. Trials and trouble will not cause it to wither, but to prosper and bring forth fruit in its season. The seed that falls into good ground will thrive and reach its potential because this heart is anchored in relationship with Jesus. It is a heart that is in submission to God and submission to God-given and God-placed authority. It is open and receptive to teaching, correction, to reproof or feedback and for instruction in righteousness. It is a heart that is willing to be examined and understands that it will need to be spiritually dug out and around and fertilised with stuff that stinks to grow, to produce fruit, some hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. I remember the first time that I heard a preacher preach the parable of the sower. And I distinctly remember thinking, wow, I hope I'm not one of those, you know, bad grounds. I hope I have good ground. Too bad if you, hap- if, you know, if you just happen to be thorny ground, well, bad luck for you, hey? What about if you're the wayside? That would be a bummer. What a way, you know. As a child, I failed to realize that I have control over which ground I am. We choose our ground. We have control over how we respond to the seed, the word of God. The seed is perfect. There's nothing faulty in the seed. Everything God wants for us is contained in that seed. And if it is cared for and given the right conditions and environment, it will grow. The condition of the soil is not God's work. That's up to us. The sower is not responsible for the state of the soil in which the seed is sown. The sower has the responsibility of scattering the seed, preaching and getting the word out. What happens to the seed and where it falls is not the sower's concern. That is the concern of the soil. Of the hearer. The soil is our heart. 
and the condition of our heart is our responsibility. We will give account for the condition of our soil and whether it was productive or not. We choose our ground. It is our responsibility to take care of our heart. We read Proverbs 4 and 23 and it said, keep, your, your, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. All the soil in the parable is fertile ground and has the potential to bring forth life. Unfortunately, the condition of the soil will either hinder or facilitate what happens to the seed. A garden requires hard work to establish and diligence to maintain, to keep it free of thorns, weeds and stones. The soil may need attention from time to time by adding fertiliser and other such things to condition it to support plant life. Our hearts also require diligent keeping. We're to guard our hearts, check it for attitudes that could, that could cause it to harden. Check it for offences and bitterness that could choke out what God wants to do. Are we focused on the kingdom or caught up in the cares of this life? Are we reaching for the things of this world or are we laying up treasures in heaven? We choose our ground. We choose the condition of our heart. If tilled and ploughed, even the wayside can become receptive to the seed. Stony ground can be broken up, turned over and rocks removed and thorns can be pulled out before too much damage is done. Jeremiah 4 and 3, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. The instruction for breaking the fallow ground was given to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, whose hearts had become hard like the wayside. Years of neglect had created hard hearts. The word was sent through the prophets, which, they, which the men of Israel continually rejected. What wasn't packed down and hard towards God was throny and overgrown with idolatry. And those that were meant to represent God had compromised, turning a blind eye to sin. God was not pleased with the state of the hearts of the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And he called them to repentance. He called them to break up the hardened ground and begin cultivating it. Stop trying to sow amongst thorns. Nothing grows in a thorny patch but thorns. Clear them out. Refocus your priorities, Judah, Jerusalem. See what you've become and how far you are from the garden that God had intended you to be. Judgment is coming because of your disobedience. And yet I call you to repentance to change your ways. We are instructed to cultivate the ground of our heart. We choose our ground. It's our responsibility to keep our heart and to break up fallow ground, to remove thorns, to remove stones and get rid of the things that hinder our growth. We choose our ground. To do nothing is to become the wayside or to be overtaken by thorns or shrivel up and die for lack of roots. Jesus is calling us to search our hearts, to do some gardening, to do some weeding. Sisters, thank you if you'd come.
We can be a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. We can be that tree. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for hearts that are ready. Hearts that are prepared for him. Hearts that are rooted in him, free of stones, free of thorns, free of hard places. He's coming back for hearts that have been diligently kept for him. We need to honestly examine our hearts and make the necessary changes to be good ground. If you would stand this evening. Our heart is fertile soil, but it needs to be cultivated in order to be the right environment for the seed to become the tree that God wants us to be. The time is now to prepare your soil, for the word of God will complete its work in you, if you will allow it. Choose your ground. Be diligent to keep thorns and weeds out. Be diligent in breaking up any fallow ground. Remove rocks that hinder a deeper walk with him. Remove the weeds that if left untouched will destroy what God has started. We choose our ground. We choose to allow the word of God to be fruitful in our life. We choose to submit. I want to open this altar this evening for heart examination.